0: I had an actor once who walked off stage in the middle oh, of a wow. scene when there were seven seven hundred people in the audience. In the middle of our scene, he would walk off stage and leave me alone in front of seven hundred people. I, I did work with an actor once who uh, always said something bad to me before I went on stage. Oh, really? He would say things like, um, "Oh, before you go on stage, yeah, don't do that. Uh, don't do that thing with the." Uh, and I'm like, what, what? And said, like, no, you have to go, you have to go. So I would walk on stage with a thing going, what did he mean? What was I not supposed uh, yeah. to do on stage now?
1: Welcome to Living in Entertainment, a podcast where I chat with talented professionals from different sectors of the entertainment industry. This week, I speak to actor Kirken Raddy about his extensive career on stage, his portrayal of Orm in Norseman, and his voice acting in Assassin's Creed. Why did you
0: want to become an actor? Um, I wanted to become an actor because um, i have i This is like I've been asked uh, many times. I the the only real reason that I can find is that this is the only thing I've always wanted to do. Mm. Um, ever since I was uh, six years old. Um, I saw this girl in my class and when I was seven, she acted together with another girl and she was so much better than the other girl. Um, <laughs> they did something, we, they were sitting, pretending there was a rug and it was supposed to fly. And, 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 uh, and I was just looking at that one girl and going like, she's so good. And I want to, I want to do that as well. Um, uh, and I was seven. Uh, and before that, I'd sort of already done things at the family gatherings and things like that. So I suppose I've always wanted to. But I think the main thing is that I enjoy telling stories. So I enjoy, I love when people walk out of it because I do mostly, most of the things that I do is in theater. Yeah. Uh, a lot of things on sort of the main stage uh, work. And um, when people leave a theater space and they can and they can talk about what really happened in the play. They can discuss something that really sort of went on. Um, they can discuss the topic or they can say I was frightened by that or that really took me um, and not talk about the actor, not talk about that actor was great. I mean, it's we, we all love uh, praise in some way. Yeah. Uh, I can say that I love when people say that, that I'm doing something that's good or it's great or but when it comes to the work, I really I know now, because I'm almost 50, I know that when I hear people talk about the play and they talk about what really happened and they talk about the characters, that's when I really felt that I've t- told something, I've done something, I've told the story and people um, get engaged by it. Uh, yeah. And that could be everything from a musical to um, something about the environment. Every, every but, but, but as long as you've told the story. So I think telling story is the main thing. That was a long yeah. answer to your question. I'm gonna be short. No, tonight. no,
1: it's, it's good. So it's, right. it, it kind of sounds like you get a a better feeling when someone sees you as a character rather than an actor. Like they've yes. you've kind of you've told the story that yeah. well. They don't see you as they, they see you as like a fictional person, but someone that's connected yeah. with
0: them. Yeah. No, absolutely. I, I I know, but but don't I mean don't misunderstand me because always at the same time when I get older, I have to admit that some of you love. Uh, praise. You don't like when people don't like what you do, yeah. and you you love it when people love what you do. But the basic for me, I know now, is when you can disappear into a character, and and they love the situation. They talk about the situation. um I did a play once where, where where people left the room and they didn't know it was me the entire play, and and that was to me that was so good. There was a lot of costume as well, but still, you could sort of completely completely um yeah it's yeah you know when directors ask me um to do something that others may not have thought that uh, it could uh, you know be uh, something that i could do uh you know and they said they sort of ask you to do something really uh, tricky or different than what i am uh i love that when you can sort of emerge into a character that's completely different from myself so i suppose that's yeah yeah and and yeah And really tell the story, just just work with a director that really wants to say something. Hmm.
1: Uh, So when you were, you've already spoke about the the little girl you kind of admired, other than her, did you have any inspirations, any people you looked up to uh, as you were kind of on this journey of becoming an actor?
0: Um, Well, I've been... I mean, I, I was born in Oslo, but I've always loved, um, you know, I, when we did the series, the, the Norseman series, yeah. we have these really strong accents, uh, Norwegian accents, and it's easy to put that one on because it's just kind of not think about what you're saying in a way, you just kind of relax, that it becomes a very Nordic accent, very strong, but very specific. And uh, But I've, I've been brought up with a mother who was so fond of England. I have a godmother who lives in Exeter. Um, and my uncle was born in in uh, Lime Regis, and I was uh, I was brought up with watching uh, British television series. I was brought up with watching comedy. I was brought up on um, uh, To the Manor Born, if you know that. It's, it's, it's like the old shows, um, um, the Beiderbecke affair, and and of course Monte Python and uh, uh, Faulty Towers and and uh, all, all the Montephyte and stuff. And and then I was brought into the world of UK theatre and I started just being a very sort of, I loved uh, everything from Royal Shakespeare Company to all of that. So I suppose one of the people that I really admired when I was younger, apart from um, some Norwegian actors um, was Derek Jacobi. Derek Jacobi was an, is an amazing actor um uh, but after that um Ian McKellen uh yeah. Judy Dench yeah Judi Dench uh, and then Mel Streep who I happened to meet once and I was so starstruck that I couldn't hardly speak um oh, wow. uh, and then you have some Norwegian actors who's, who's always been inspiring um but I was I was kind of uh yeah we have yeah, a Norwegian man that everyone loves called Bjørn Sundqvist, and um, and an old actor called Torolf and we have we had a great, great actress called Lenke Foss. Uh, sort of old ones you watch when you grow up, and you kind of find them, yeah, inspiring. Yeah, but I, I can't say one particular person, but I've mentioned uh, a lot of them. <sighs> yeah, it's
1: like a collection of lots of talented people. That makes sense.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's a mix of everything, but I think. I'm very based in wanting to tell stories. And I think the way that UK British actors work, being brought up with Shakespeare, um, the way that's sort of settled in their system, it's there from the beginning as a basis of 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 texts. Yeah. Uh, and I think that that to me, being wanting to be a storyteller is something that I've always admired and always sort of stretched the few times that I've been able to work in the UK. I've, I've sort of loved doing that, but yeah.
1: Obviously, you just touched on this, you were in a Norseman. On, on that set, did you kind of build up any strong relationships with any people or did you, like, what was the experience like?
0: It was strange walking into a room, auditioning for something because I they wanted me to come in and, and audition for the part. I'm not quite sure how it sort of came about because uh, some people see me as a sort of very serious actor and some people see me as... Uh, that type of comedy wasn't not everyone combined me with, with thought that i you know that was something that i normally did mm. um but the actor who plays uh, arvid uh yoga i think he said to the directors and they've afterwards said no we knew it already um that they should try me uh, as they were trying to find that character and i went in and read and it's the first almost i think it's probably the first time that i've sort of left a an audition saying, I, I think I need to call the casting director and, and, and plead and beg and go down on my knees to get the part. <laughs> uh, because I just loved it. I love the sense of humor and I understood yeah. that I could bring in some of my weird stuff. And then, um, and then, no, I love the directors immediately when I met them, they were the same guys who who wrote the series and they are so silly and so stupid, both of them. and And they had never directed the series before never directed a television series uh and they did it with such uh such flair and such great uh great timing and fun it was just a it was just a joy everyone thought it was joy and we worked the, the hours that we worked we were not allowed to work you know we, we stood up we were up at five in the morning and then we sometimes we would finish shooting uh, midnight or, you know, oh. we just kept on because we had to do the whole thing twice. We did the whole thing in Norwegian and then we did the whole thing in English.
1: Oh, right. Okay.
0: Um, and we did the whole thing at the same time that you make, that you make one television series with a really tight budget. Yeah. Um. But I just loved it. I thought the character was uh, evil, but nice. He was, uh, he was, he had no friends. And, and I just felt kind of sorry for him. I also felt there were a few things that I had recognised in myself. And I just, there's so many things at once that I thought, oh, I want to do this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That,
1: that kind of leads into my next one. Because I was going to say, what was your like, immediate reaction to reading what Orm was like in the script? But I guess you kind of already touched on that.
0: Oh, well, um, I didn't know about everything. So I'd read what right. they'd given me um, for the audition. For this, uh, and I met with Sylvia, who plays froya the the yes. Amazon warrior, and she, yeah. uh, we had a great connection at once. So we just kind of, I, we both started laughing out loud. Um, but I, when I got the part, and then I then I read the whole script, so I didn't read more than just tiny bits before I got the part, um, and I we we have a sort of running joke going that if you'd shown me the whole script i wouldn't have done this um <laughs> but of course i would but there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of things that not necessarily is my kind of humor <laughs> as well yeah there's a lot of uh, what's the word feces you know there's a lot of stuff about, there's a lot of a lot yeah. of um human excrements and sex and <laughs> uh, violence and things like that that's just kind of some we would have our arguments. I would go like, "Is this really necessary?" And they would go, "Yes, because that's him and that's how he is." And, and uh, I suppose I won twenty. No, they're going to say ten percent of the arguments, and they won ninety percent. But I was happy as well because it, it kind of made him extreme as well, and I'm happy for, for 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 all that. Yeah, but it was just fun. And they said to me on the on the very evening the day before shoots, they said, everyone's going to have a strong accent. Koda, we we need to talk about your accent because you sound rather um, more British than you should. Right. Uh, and I said, but that's not going to be a problem because I'm not going to talk. I'm going to talk about this. <laughs> this is how I will speak when we do it tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so you don't have to worry about that. You should worry about other people, not me. <laughs> Because with some actors who couldn't stop speaking American, Um, uh, so no, it was it was fun. It was just uh, it was great fun. Three seasons. I mean, three seasons on Netflix. There are not many. I mean, we 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 were proud and happy. It's it's great. Yeah,
1: it was it was amazing. I I guess it's like like you said. It was. I guess some of it was it was a mixture of like witty humor, I think, and then a (laughs) mixture of just kind of. Randomness and weirdness, but it, it worked. I think definitely
0: that is true. Randomness yeah. and weirdness is probably that. That could be the. That could be the. The um, subtitle of the whole show. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: um, well, I was going to ask now, uh, what if you can remember what was the most awkward scene to film in Norseman? Because I, I guess there quite okay. quite a lot.
0: God, where <laughs> to start? I mean, this is. Uh... Is this interview X-rated or I mean, is it, um, it's, um, it's, there were many awkward scenes, many, many, as I said, many, many, I suppose many humorous fights that we had one long email that I wrote and I said, I'm not going to do that. And, and they finally said we agree and they still agree. Uh, it was just over the top and too much. And it wasn't really funny, (laughs) but that was, that was one scene in the entire three seasons. Uh, I'm not quite sure what was the... There was a scene with me and Björn Mirjana in the forest where I sort of tried to explain to him that he must have felt something for me. Um, uh, And he was just thrown by that he must have had feelings for me. Uh, Very awkward scene. Uh, Just... To do, but he's so nice. The actor Bjorn ruin I mean, all of them, but just just mm-hmm. very kind. Uh, there was a girl called Linnea, who's twelve years old, who, who was beating the crap out of me. There's a scene in season one where she oh, kicks yeah. me and hits me, all of that. And she was so funny, and uh, she was there <laughs> with her parents, who were lovely. And it was just, uh, it was just funny. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so I guess it, it was it was just more I, of like a fun experience, like overall.
0: Yeah, well, I think one of the—I uh, mean, people who sort of tune into your interview and haven't seen the series are going to go, what it's all thing about. But as you know, it's Vikings, um, set in the Viking age, but a bit more like The Office. So uh, there's a scene in season one where I'm buried with soil down to here, together yeah. with Rufus, at the end of season one and marianne's character comes to uh she comes and basically pees on us well we were sitting down in this hole, um covered in in soil for a very long time and i was hurting because i was sitting on a on a on a metal metal tube of some sort of pipe because we were down in a drain it was like a Uh, and uh, they'd covered the whole thing up so I was sitting basically on a a sort of hard metal pipe with something sticking up and I had to sort of place myself around it I was was, in pain and then uh, Tron, who was playing Rufus is is sitting back to back with me also covered in the same tiny hole that we were in and he was kind of relaxed about it and I said are you okay and the hours went on and I think they went to lunch without letting us up because we were sort of I'm not quite sure but it was long (laughs) it felt long probably was not more than half an hour but it was long and, uh, and I said, I was saying to him, are you okay? I mean, how are you doing? And he went, I'm fine, I'm fine. And I went okay, he's doing okay. So I, I'll be relaxed as well, and I'll, but he was painful and especially this hard pipe. Yeah. And I had to, and uh, when they said, finally it's a take, we've done the whole thing. And they took away the soil and they pulled us up. I looked down and I saw that Bertrand, Rufus had a chair. They'd given him a chair <laughs> with a cushion. And I went, like, he's got a chair. He's got a cushion down there. There's like, he's, I've been sitting on this metal pipe. This, and, and I said, why haven't I got a chair? And they said, well, there was only room for one chair. <laughs> wow. And he'd already been down in a whole, a uh, few sort of uh, episodes back. Yeah. So he was fine. He was sitting, he could have had <laughs> slacks down there for all I know.
1: <laughs> Sounds like you were almost like not acting at that point, like you were actually just trapped under the ground.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, if you watch the scenes and you see there's kind of an agony there, it's, it's something you know really tormenting me. <laughs> <laughs> um
1: So yeah, I wanted to, I wanted to go on to talk about. So you were you were recently doing quite a bit of voice acting in Assassin's Creed. Um, yes, as Farabid and mm. Stabion. I think that's how you pronounce
0: it. beyond yeah. 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 Um,
1: yeah. What What was that
0: experience like? Um, now we come to a point where I have to sort of—I'm not quite sure what I'm allowed to say or not to say—and there's so many pages of contracts and things like that. But I mean, the play is it, the game is out. Um, it was great. I mean, I mean, all of it was great. I was just sort of worried about what I can say about the process of. No, there's nothing I can spoil. I was I was up for a different part. Um, yeah. Many many months before. Um they tried me for 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 a different character and um and i had a great meeting on skype and zoom and i sort of went around with my mac and i held it while i was going mad in the room i was at the national theater where i work um and and doing it in the in the black box there um and we had great fun and then i was told this i later on that they'd sort of moved on but they loved meeting me and I thought that was it and then they called me back and said no um, we got two other characters that we want you to to do um I hadn't done any I mean Assassin's Creed and and I hadn't done any games like that before and I thought it was just a great experience and the director and the people and the team in Canada and everyone but I didn't travel there I was just doing all of my stuff from um from a studio in in Norway on link, and everything was done like yeah. so it was a, a. lot of hours in the studio, but it was great. And the and the game came out amazing. There's a lot of nice Norwegian scenery there as well. And, and yeah, uh, and Darby McDewitt, who's the narrator, you know, probably the, of, of the Assassin's Creed series, who's the the, the writer of of so much of, of the stories. He uh, he travelled to. To Norway a lot and traveled up north to see and to sort of get the experience so he could write in the best way. And no, it was just really well done. And um, but there are other actors as well in there. It's called Jeppe Beck who was in, in uh, uh Last Kingdom. Kingdom. He yeah, yeah he's done, he, he's got a great, he's got a big character there and he's great. His voice is amazing when you listen to it. And and uh, Magnus Brun who plays Eivor, he's amazing. I was. Just Cool. I mean, what's not to like? And I have people who who do play a lot of games, and they 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 call me up and they send videos every time they play it, and they sort of send videos of my my character. Yeah. Uh, no, I love it. I love it. You get, you can be proud to say you're part of that sort of universe. Yeah.
1: Hmm. Do you think you have a kind of preference of like? Do you prefer one or the other, or like acting and voice acting, or are they just kind of both great?
0: Ooh, I. I, I sort of cling to my cup a lot. This is sort of one of my many c- coffee cups. Um, and this started when I was doing radio plays. Uh, after I left drama school in Norway, I, I started doing some radio plays. And they had a really bad coffee machine uh, at the Norwegian Broadcasting. But to me, that was, I was given a cup of coffee and sitting in a studio and just being in front of a mic working with my voice and other actors. And I, I loved that. So that sort of became, every time I was doing something in front of a, a mic, Bring a cup of coffee or a tea, and just no. So I just love, uh, I love being in the studio, being able to work with my voice and and do cartoons, and uh, I do a lot of dubbing for cartoons, and and uh, uh, but I, um, what I really love the most is is being, probably in a sort of smaller theatre space, like say at the National Theatre in London, just intimate spaces of sort of two two to three hundred seats. That kind of intimacy and place that. Tell stories. Uh, I sometimes struggles when I'm with, with directors who are extremely wild and crazy, and you have to be covered in blood and be nude, and you know all of that. I, sometimes I sort of have to search and find the truth in that. But no. yeah. uh, but I love that intimate space. Theatre is is where I was that's, I was brought up in, into theatre and, and love that.
1: I was going to actually ask about like theatre because um, if you if that was like kind of your roots in acting. How was the change from <laughs> Going from from theatre
0: to like television or film, like what was that? Um, like? I think the the main thing that happened to me when I started doing, I still say people say who are the best, who's the best director you work with in, in TV, and I still say the same name, it was a woman called Karin Yulssu, and she was the one who directed me in the first series that I did when I left drama school in Norway, um, before I went to drama school in London, and. Uh, she just made sure that i was always at ease before i went on uh never overacting anything not doing too much Uh, so i think the main thing that i've always tried to keep focus on i've done you know some sort of comedy things as well and you need to be a bit over the top as well (laughs) but it needs to have a truth in it (laughs) but i think the main thing is always uh, sometimes i can notice that i i for the first take if i've just come straight from a play i can do i can do just a little bit too much you know um as just just a tiny fracture of of overdoing it when you just have to be 100 percent just present in the play and just just be there mm-hmm. um but on the stage if you sort of work you to you're working on main stage there's a lot of projecting trying to reach second balcony or, or third balcony when it comes to um and to to know that the people in the third balcony get the same feeling of the character and as the people who are sitting in front and that's a huge sort of a technical thing that you need to do when you're on the stage especially if you you're on the stage you're not using microphone so it's like 1100 seats and you're not wearing a microphone and you need to project in different ways you need to reach and i think that just Not that I don't know it, but when I go in front of the camera, none of that can be there. Yeah. And if you sort of switch between theatre and and film every single uh, day, daytime shooting a film and then going on stage, you just need to be aware of uh, none none of that. Hmm. You need to be just as truthful on stage, but you... uh, but you need to do that technical thing as well to be sure that you reach to, to lift your eyes to to make sure that your voice reaches through that wall beyond the third balcony, and uh, and that's just a technical thing that you need to sort of. So I think that was the main issue for me. Just be brave enough to to do as little as possible and just be in the character hundred percent and know that the camera will will find you. Yeah because uh, wasn't it, I think it was Al Pacino who said something that you can can film me for hours, but if you haven't caught, I think it's something you can film for hours, but if you haven't caught my soul, he said, then you haven't got a film. And I think the the relationship between the director and an actor on, on screen needs to be that trust that you can just do nothing. He will be there or she will be there to find you with the camera and the crew so that these, they can see a tiny fracture of uh, well, I suppose soul is a good word. Um, yeah, something that comes through. So it becomes a really good film or a good series. So that's turning all of that off. Is yeah. I
1: spoke to Harry McIntyre from The Last Kingdom, uh, mm. and he said he said some of the best Very experiences active. he's ever had were on stage in a theatre, and he said it's kind of, it's like a completely different experience, like you've kind of said. Um, yeah. But he said one of the things you've got to watch out for is like burning out because, like you just touched on, you've got to like project yourself and give that same impact to everyone there.
0: True, yeah, absolutely, I agree totally with him. Um, you need to find a reason to do it. I mean, we we did the play that we originally. I think it came originally from. Um, did it start at the Edinburgh Festival? No, it started in Scotland. It's in, I think it started in it started in Glasgow. The the play called uh, Stones in His Pockets. It's just two actors uh, playing extras on a movie set in Ireland. And there's a whole thing of actors and other actors and and, uh, Hollywood diva and director and producer and uh, uh, other extras who, but all of those characters are being played by the same two actors. So it's just two actors on stage the entire time with just one costume each. Um, So, we played and I, we played that play. Uh, you just tip the hat and you do something, and it's a remarkable play, really well written. And we played it, I think, to 250 times. Oh, wow. I think we did the show. And in Norway, that's quite sort of a sometimes you, I mean, you've got the mousetrap for 60th year or something in London, but uh, not the same cast. But I mean, the, you need to go on stage. We always look each other in the eye. We did an Ibsen play recently that we played for a long, long time. Uh, by henry gibson and me and the actress there or the guy me who did stones in his pockets we always look into each other's eyes and go like okay now this is all new everything's mm-hmm. new you've never done this before um the audience have come they've got sort of the, they've got the tickets on their fridge for a long time with the <laughs> magnets and this is the evening and we can't just say well we did this yesterday so we're just gonna you know Mm. play by air we need to i mean those are the tickets they pull down from the fridge and they're already the air now so we need to do it yeah. um so you need to find that specific reason and look into the other actor's eye and and find a reason to you to to do it once again like for the 250th time yeah. but if it's a good play and, and great actors then you don't have to think that hard mm.
1: that must be tough they're doing the same play like that many times must be quite tired. I guess you get really good at it, though.
0: We were never bored. I mean, I like Stones in His Pockets or, or Little Ailes that we've done many, many times now. Um, also in London at the Coronet. Um, we've never tired uh, because it's well-written. Hmm. But you can be tired. I mean, you can have a day that you sort of haven't slept or you were out with friends the night before and you stayed up too much and you, you shouldn't have stayed up that late. and <laughs> you know, or or you're ill or anything and you go on stage, you need to sort of find a, just find a way to do it. Some people will think, how can you manage to do it every night, night after night? And I have some actors who are friends of mine who only do film and they can't understand how I can sort of go on stage and do like 250. They wouldn't, they say I can do it once, but I wouldn't want to do it more than once. Yeah. Um, but it's in I, Yeah, it's in my blood. I started in youth theatre, so I always loved it.
1: Yeah, I guess it is. It is a totally different experience. It sounds like, and if that's yeah. The, the, yeah. your kind of roots in acting, I guess you're always gonna you're always gonna love that, aren't you?
0: Yeah, yeah. There was this old woman. died She died many, many years ago, but she was really old when when she she ran the drama school for for youth and children for forty years in Norway. And she used to work at the National Theatre, uh, but then she we, retired and started the school for she retired early but started school for 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 children and youth and so we were all brought up everyone who went to that school brought up with 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 the classics so she was the one who teaches that Shakespeare's word you need to listen to every single word uh, and take cherish every word and if it's Ibsen you know it's well written so take care of it Chekhov or and we were 14 you <laughs> know so she, sure. it was an early start and and she made us read poems that we thought were sort of so heavy and and full of words that we didn't understand and suddenly she could open up that universe to us and we would love that word that we hated before because it was over old-fashioned and we really sort of realized that that word now can be used in a way that i could never do in my own language and my normal language so she would make a lot of young children and youth experience that really good writers have words and ways of saying things that uh heighten the situation or lifts us or um, you can read a a love poem to somebody or you have a crush on if i'd known that when i was you know when i was 10 and i'd crush on this girl uh, and and if i'd known that there was something called really good writers you know if i read the poem well then you know i could have done much better
1: You've you've kind of touched on like how you, you've got to have like a good connection with your your cast, like your co-cast. <laughs> that's right word. Um and I was wondering if you ever had difficulties with anyone you've worked with? Obviously you don't have to name them. Uh, and if if that is the case, how do you kind of how do you kind of resolve that or get past that?
0: Uh-huh. I no, I have I have had situations like that. I had an actor once who walked off stage in the middle oh, of a wow. scene when there were seven seven hundred people in the audience. In the middle of our scene, he would walk off stage and leave me alone in front of seven hundred people. I, I I think at some point I uh, I remember what I did then. I walked down. He was like extremely tall, and it, it, a lot of people were sort of frightened about him. Sort of they. He would always do whatever he felt like and he felt like walking off stage at that point point. Right. um so people kind of looking at me after in the interval they were kind of the other actors were talking about like, what happened what happened and i i decided that this whole period is going to be a time when i sort of pull take hold of my neck and go i'm going to face every single problem so i walked down to his dressing room and knocked on the door and uh, he opened up and he I had to sort of look up uh, he was there in this armor. We were doing a, a sort of all uh, play from about the 12 to twelve hundred 1200 and twelve hundred and fifty. and 1250. Um and I would I would just immediately say, What happened? And he went like whoa, what do you mean? And I said, like, what happened? You walked off stage. And that was not really me. I just went like I need to be brave, I need to just face every single. Hmm. Uh and he said, but you're taking so A hell of a lot of time to say what you want on stage. And I said, Yes, but you know why I'm doing that. Because he was he was somebody on the stage that really um he would use up the time while he spoke so that other people would have to speed up. It was kind of a thing that he had done for many, many years. And I sort of decided I was going to face that. So when he would take his time and finish the last word and give it to me so that I would feel I need to speed up the tempo on stage now, I would just look at him. and and hold my look for a long time (laughs) so it was kind of a battle going on stage but the characters were in battle as well so it was great um so that point i was really brave um other times i just kind of yeah i I did work with an actor once who uh always said something bad to me before i went on stage Uh he would say things like um Oh, before you go on stage. Yeah, don't do that. Um, don't do that thing with the... Uh, and I am like what what and said, like, No, you have to go, you have to go. So I would walk on stage with a thing going, what did he mean? What was I not supposed uh, to do on stage now? Made me unsecure, insecure, and uh, just made me and just made me weak. And I didn't face up to him and I didn't do you know things like that. But now I suppose if there's an actor who I I, I now I've worked with so many different artists and painters and and I know that we're all so different and everyone has their approach to things. So I think now basically I I kind of go along with anything, a director who's mean, or if it's mean to people in a bad way, then you have to you have to say something. Yeah. But as long as it comes from a sort of artistic point of view, I, I think I can sort of take a lot of the and I'm probably weird as well. <laughs> but so but I know that I, I can be tolerant in a different way than uh, because we, we want to make, we, we want to come to a result. We want to make a great play. Yeah. And if that's the way the actor works or the musician works or whatever, I think, you know, as far as possible, try and meet that person on the level that that person is on because then you can create something that's meant for the audience. Otherwise, you're just gonna have internal struggles and try and understand if it comes from an artistic point of view if that person is just struggling to find what to say and how to do it in his or her strange way.
1: Thanks for listening. Stay tuned for more new episodes coming soon. For more updates, follow the show on Instagram, at Living in Entertainment Podcast. See you next time.